Good morning, church. Happy summer celebration. The summer's going too fast. I want it to slow down. September is right around the corner. What a beautiful time of worship. Thank you, Brother Joe and the entire team. Today we continue our summer series entitled The Holy Spirit According to Jesus. Please open your Bibles to the Gospel of John, chapter 14, page 570 if you're using one of the Pew Bibles. Our focus in today's message will be on this wonderful reality, this wonderful truth, the Comforter has come. The Comforter has come. Our main scripture text is John chapter 14, verse 16. Jesus is preparing his disciples for his departure. The cross right before him, he promises his disciples in, in John chapter 14, verse 16, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, translated comforter, in Greek, that he may abide with you forever. And I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. In verse 18, Jesus promises, I will not leave you orphans to fend for yourselves. I'm leaving you, but, I, but you will be cared for. Your heavenly Father will send you another helper, a comforter, an advocate who will fight for you. The disciples, troubled by what Jesus is telling them, he encourages them in verses 1 through 6 of John 14, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. And Thomas said to him, one of his disciples, Lord, we do not know where you are going and how can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. In the crumbling realities of their dreams and hopes and ambitions, Jesus shares some very important comforting words to his disciples. The Gospel of John, John chapter 14, is filled with promises from God, words of comfort, words of assurance. They know he's leaving. He's going to die. He has told them this several times in their three-year journey with him. The time has now come. He described to them in detail what would happen. I will be arrested. I will be beaten. I will be spit on. And I will even be lifted up on a cross and crucified. He then went on to tell them that in three days he would rise from the dead. A lot of information. 
They're having a very difficult time processing everything Jesus is saying. Monday looked really good. Jesus came into the city of Jerusalem. It was the triumphal entry. We celebrate it as Palm Sunday. Everybody's spirits were up. They were shouting their hosannas to the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Tens of thousands of people were cheering him as the potential Messiah. But now it's Thursday. Thursday's not looking as good as Monday looked. They've turned against Jesus. The spiritual and political leaders turned against Jesus. The crowds turned against Jesus. He announces his death to his disciples. Thursday's not looking as good as Monday looked. He tells his disciples, one of you will will betray me and, and one will deny me. Not just once, not just twice, but three times. Even though he prepared them for three years for this very moment, they were overcome by fear and worry. They could not process all that Jesus was sheathing to them. Up to this point, they lived by sight and not so much by faith. Nobody in the Old Testament really could say we lived in the presence of God physically. All the 12 disciples could. There were people in the Old Testament who had visions of God. They had various encounters with God, that's for sure. We, we read that in the Old Testament scriptures. But apart from those rare and unique encounters, there's no actual physical presence of God. Yes, there's a cloud, a burning bush, but nothing like God in human flesh. And so this three-year personal intimate journey with Jesus, God in human flesh, was a unique, rare, and special experience for the 12 disciples. So for them to have had that and, and now be told by Jesus, I'm going to the Father It's a bit scary because they have been living by sight and not so much by faith. Jesus cared for them. And they knew that. He protected them. He provided for them. He comforted them. He was their teacher, their source of truth and wisdom for for them in their minds. This is a huge change. Huge, Rochester, huge If you look at the Gospel of John, chapter 16, verse 7, it's the same upper room, same evening, just a little later in their conversation with Jesus, and Jesus says to them in verse 7 of John 16, nevertheless, nevertheless, all these things are going to happen, nevertheless, I'm going to be with my father. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage that I go away. It's to your advantage that I go away. I could just imagine right now them scratching their heads. That would have been very difficult for them to comprehend. It would be hard for me to comprehend. How could anything be better than having the Lord Jesus, the Son of God, with you in human flesh? What could possibly be better? Jesus continues, for if I do not go away, the the helper, the comforter will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Jesus is speaking about the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Godhead, the, the Trinity. Jesus 
in his incarnation, in human flesh, he had certain limitations. He was limited physically. He couldn't be everywhere at the same time. But the Holy Spirit has no limitations. Although he was with them for those three years, he wasn't always in their immediate presence. But he will be after he leaves through the Comforter, the Holy Spirit. His power was always around them, and they saw that power, and they experienced that power. But they were about to experience it in a way that was beyond what they had seen walking um, with the physical Jesus these past three years. He provided resources for them physical resources, the things that they needed in life, but he was about to open the floodgates of heaven and pour out blessing which they couldn't even comprehend. And so to comfort them, Jesus promises in verses 16 and 17 of our text in John 14, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, comforter, that he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you, present tense, and will be in you, future tense. Jesus reveals several things about the Holy Spirit and his relationship with his disciples. Number one, the Father who gave me to you will give you the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth. He reveals this marvelous truth to his disciples. The second thing he reveals to his disciples is that the world cannot receive the Holy Spirit because they don't see him or know him. Jesus said, but you know him, for he dwells with you. I could just see them scratching their head. What does Jesus mean? Jesus reveals to his disciples that for the last three years, the Holy Spirit has been with them. Every step, every moment of those three years, the Holy Spirit was with the disciples. He reveals to his disciples that all the miracles, the healing of the blind, bringing the dead back to life, multiplying the bread and fish to feed 3,000, to feed 5,000, was the Holy Spirit who was upon Jesus and in Jesus and at work through Jesus. And so Jesus reveals to them that the Holy Spirit has been with them all along because he's living in Jesus. But now Jesus tells them, when I leave, the Holy Spirit comes. He will be in you 24-7. I have physical limitations. I emptied myself of my divine glory and took on human flesh. I have physical limitations. I cannot be with you 24-7. But the Holy Spirit will be in you 24 Four, seven. Jesus reveals to his disciples that they're going to experience a greater dimension of the Holy Spirit's presence because he will be in them. Third, Jesus reveals that the Father cares about them. And he's going to give them someone to take his place, though not in human flesh. That someone is the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth, according to our text. He reveals to them that they're not going to lose touch with God's truth. 
They're not going to be without a teacher. His disciples are going to have the spirit of truth as their instructor. The comforter, the Holy Spirit is going to be their instructor, their teacher. Jump down to verse 26 of John 14. Jesus says, but the helper, the comforter, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things I said to you. Again, Jesus is reassuring his disciples that the Father is not going to leave them without a teacher, without a helper. Jesus tells them, the Father gave me to you, and now the Father is going to give the Holy Spirit to you. He will be your teacher. He will be your comforter. He will be your helper. He will be everything that I have been to you. And the Father will send him to you in my name. Jesus is simply telling them, the Father and I, we agree on this. We work together, not against each other. We're one. We're not going to, you're not going to lose out on anything. The Spirit of God is coming to you in my name. The Father and I, we are in agreement. We are working together. The Comforter will come when I leave. The Father and I agree. He's coming in my name. The fourth thing that we see Jesus revealing to his disciples, Jesus reveals to his disciples that there's no loss with him leaving. It's a win-win situation. A win-win Jesus reveals to them, it's the same God who is in me meeting your needs. When, when Jesus promised in verse 16, and I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper, comforter, the expression another helper in Greek means another helper of the same kind as the first. Jesus is revealing that he was the first helper sent by God. The first comforter sent by God. And the Holy Spirit will be the same kind of helper. The same kind of comforter. Even though Jesus would not be present in the flesh, the Holy Spirit will be present. Being exactly what Jesus was to his disciples in doing what Jesus did. I think of Jesus' calming of the sea. It's recorded in Matthew's Gospel, Matthew chapter 8 verses 23 through 27. Let me read this portion of Matthew's gospel. Now when he got into a boat, speaking of Jesus, his disciples followed him. How many are following Jesus today? And suddenly a great storm arose on the sea so that the boat was covered with waves. But he was asleep. Jesus was asleep. Then his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us. We are perishing. But he said to them, why are you fearful, O you of little faith? You see, they've been walking by sight and not so much by faith. Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. And so the men marveled, saying, who can this be that even the winds and the sea obey him? There are four things here for us to see, most likely more, but I'll share just four observations. Number one, following Jesus doesn't exempt us from experiencing storms. We live in a fallen, broken world. Even though we follow Jesus, storms can and do hit us out of nowhere. Health storms. 
out of nowhere. It's your annual physical. The report just hits you between the eyes. You're in the midst of a health storm, a financial storm, a family storm, a relational storm, an employment storm. Maybe it's unemployment. Maybe it's an issue with your boss. Following Jesus doesn't exempt us from experiencing storms. And maybe you're here today and you're in the middle of a storm. The waves are crashing into your boat. You're taking in more and more water. Your boat looks like as though it's going to sink. You're scared. Life storms are very, very real, aren't they, church? Just because you are following Jesus, just because I'm following Jesus, doesn't mean you and I will, will, will live a life that's void or exempt of storms, that will live a storm-free life. That's not the truth. We live in a fallen, broken world. We will encounter storms. That's the first observation. Isn't that encouraging? The second observation provides us comfort in the storm. Just like Jesus was present in the storm, he was in their boat. He's in your boat. The Holy Spirit is present in your storm. He's present in your boat. He is our present help and, and, and comforter in time of need. The Holy Spirit is the exact kind of helper as the first as Jesus. Here's the third observation. Just like the disciples cried out to Jesus for help, you and I can cry out to the Holy Spirit for help. The Holy Spirit is the exact kind of helper as the first, as Jesus. And the fourth observation is this. Just like Jesus spoke to the storm and the storm obeyed, the Holy Spirit speaks to the storm in your life and the storm has to obey when he speaks. Oh, let's praise him, church. Let's praise him. He's worthy to be praised. The Holy Spirit is the exact kind of helper as the first, as Jesus. Jesus was not going to leave his disciples friendless or helpless. The Holy Spirit will be their help in every step they take. And he's your help too. He's my help too. Every step in this life. Just like Jesus was to the 12. The Holy Spirit is to every true follower of Jesus Christ today. The Holy Spirit is called to be our helper. He's called to be our comforter in this world. This is his calling. This is his ministry. And God has sent him with that calling, with that ministry to every true follower of Christ, to you, to me. Isn't that wonderful, church? Isn't that comforting? You and I don't have to navigate through life all alone. We have a helper, a comforter. You and I don't have to weather the storms of life all alone in our own strength. We don't have to rely on human wisdom. We have a divine helper. We have a divine comforter who has perfect wisdom in every situation, in every storm. We have a comforter. 
He will pick up a bucket and help get the water out of your boat. You don't have to get the water out alone. The Greek word comforter is paraclete. It's two Greek words that mean to stand beside. To stand beside. What a wonderful picture. Jesus is telling his disciples, just like I have stood beside you, These last three years, the Holy Spirit will stand beside you. Isn't that glorious? He takes you and me by our hands and leads us gently down the path of righteousness for for God's glory. He removes obstacles that get in the way of God's will for our lives. He fights off the enemy of our soul. He helps us resist temptation, pulling us in the opposite direction because we're too weak. We don't have the strength, but he's never too weak. He comforts us in times of loss. He embraces us when we need a hug from heaven. How many need a hug from heaven? Oh, the Holy Spirit. He's a good hugger. He prays for us when we have no strength to pray for ourselves. Have you ever experienced it? You just have no strength to pray for yourself. You don't know how to pray for yourself, but there is one who knows how to perfectly pray when we're in that place, and his name is the Holy Spirit of God. When the devil whispers a lie in one ear, the Holy Spirit leans over and whispers in our other ear, God's truth. God's truth that trumps the devil's lies. Jesus promised, Jesus has promised to his disciples in John 14, 18, I will not leave you orphans. You won't have to fend for yourselves. I will come to you. I will not leave you orphans. My wife and I watched our newest granddaughter, um, a month old, last night, Nora. And we just didn't put her to the side and say, fend for yourself. Feed yourself the bottle. Burp yourself. Change your stinky, dirty diaper yourself. No, she can't fend for herself. She needs the help of her grandparents. And you and I in this broken, fallen world cannot fend for ourselves. We need a helper. We need a comforter. That's why the first comforter came. Because we needed help. And we still need help. And he promises to send us the perfect helper, the perfect comforter, the Holy Spirit of God. It is a timeless promise. It's a promise for you and for me. This is my lovely wife. Hi, hon. Hon, can you just join me? Aw, aw. The Greek word for comforter, paraclete. 
to come alongside, to stand alongside, to stand by your side. You know, the Bible said it's not good for man to be alone. And he provided man, a helper, to stand by his side, to help him. Because man can never fend for himself. Church, we can't fend for ourselves. We need the comforter. We need the paraclete, the one who stands right beside wherever we go. He takes us by our hand and he walks with us. Isn't that awesome? I mean, he walks with us. He talks with us. He talks with us. Amen? He encourages us. He strengthens us. He pulls us. He pulls us. He directs us. He turns us in the, in the opposite direction. She's quite an actress, isn't she? Can I kiss my wife? Is that okay? Woo! Love you, babe. It's a timeless promise. You know, I think of, of Grace Fillion playing the violin. We're in the prayer room before we came out for the service. And she had a near fatal accident just two weeks ago. Literally, her life could have been taken. Her life could have been taken. Inches away from her life being taken. And Grace, as we were worshiping the Lord this morning, and as I was meditating on the word of God in my heart, as I was worshiping the Lord this morning, I could not help but envision the paraclete, the one who stands beside you, just hitting that ball just enough so it didn't hit your temple. It's a miracle. It's a miracle what took place. A miracle, the blow that she took. And to see her today, two weeks later, playing this violin, it's a miracle that took place. There was one who was with her and is with her. And as he protected grace two weeks ago, he protects every true follower of Jesus Christ. Can we praise him, church? He's worthy to be praised. Worthy to be praised. Worthy to be praised. For the comforter to come, one thing must happen. Jesus must go to the Father. If the comforter is going to come, one thing must happen. Jesus must go to the Father. Jesus told his disciples in John 16, 7, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Jesus must return to his father. This must occur before the comforter comes. In the New Testament book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, Jesus says about himself that he has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. What a wonderful truth. Hebrews 12, 2. It says, Jesus has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. The one thing Jesus said must 
happened, happened over 2,000 years ago. 40 days, hear this today, 40 days after Jesus' resurrection, Jesus returned to his father. And the Gospel of Luke records the account, or I should say Luke, the author of Acts, the same author of the, of the Gospel of Luke, he's also the author of Acts, Luke records the account in Acts chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. Turn there, if you will. It's on page 575 in your pews. Acts chapter 1. Luke gives us the historical record of Jesus returning to his father in heaven. Verse 1, now when he had spoken these things, Luke speaking of Jesus, what things? Let's just stop there for a moment and ask the question, what things? Well, let's look at Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 8. And being assembled together with them, Jesus being together with the 12, with the disciples, all of his true followers, he, Jesus, commanded them, the disciples, not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which is the coming of the Holy Spirit, which he said, you have heard from me. And Jesus is referring to his teaching on the Holy Spirit in John's gospel in chapters 14 through 16 of, of the gospel of John. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now what Jesus tells his disciples here, we don't want to overlook, we don't want to miss it. A witness at a trial, has a first-hand account of what happened. And so they're called upon to give testimony of what they saw. And Jesus is telling his disciples, right before he returns to his Father, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will have a first-hand account. You will witness my presence and power with you, in you, and working through you wherever you go in the world. Wherever you go in the world, the known world at that time. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. I will be there with you through the comforter, the Holy Spirit. You will witness firsthand my ongoing help, presence, and power 24-7. It's to your advantage that I go away. Luke records in Acts 1, picking up at verse 9. Now, when he had spoken these things, when Jesus had spoken these things, while they watched, while the disciples watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as, as Jesus went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven... The one thing that needs to happen before the comforter comes happened. Jesus returned to the Father right here in this passage. Luke says, well, come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. Acts chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. 
Jesus' disciples witness his miraculous return to the Father. The helper, comforter, can now come. Things have lined up according to the will of God. The comforter can come. Luke records in Acts chapter 2 this historical event when the Father sent the comforter, the Holy Spirit. It was on the day of Pentecost. The New Testament church was birthed that day. Just as Jesus brought God to us, the Holy Spirit now brings God to us. He's touchable, He's relatable, He's personal. The the Holy Spirit is the exact kind of helper as the first, as Jesus. Like Jesus, the Holy Spirit is God. Every true follower of Jesus Christ receives the promised comforter. You can receive him today by becoming a child of God. Every human being is God's creation. Every one of us in this room is God's creation. God created you. He created me. But not every human being who is the creation of God is a child of God. There's a big difference. The Father, through Jesus, wants to adopt you and me into his family. But we must come to him by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul wrote in Galatians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his son. We celebrate Christmas. Born of a woman, a virgin. Born under the law, the law of Moses. Law had no power to save. It showed us our need for a savior. It was impossible to keep the law of God perfectly. And because no human being is capable of keeping the Mosaic law perfectly, the Bible says all have sinned. All. This preacher has. I'm guilty. But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his son, Jesus, born of a woman, a virgin, born under the law of Moses, to redeem those who were under the law. Why? To save us by clothing us in Christ's righteousness. Paul goes on to write that we might receive the adoption as sons and daughters. And because you are sons and daughters, God has sent forth the spirit of his son, the Holy Spirit, the comforter, into your hearts. Crying out, Abba, Father, Daddy, God. He's a good, good father. He'll never let you down. He'll never abandon you. He'll never leave you to fend for yourself. God has sent forth the spirit of his son, the Holy Spirit, into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father, Daddy, God. We've become God's child, sons and daughters of God, when we, by faith, receive the perfect righteousness of his son the righteousness of our wonderful Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You see, our righteousness is not enough. Our kind deeds are not enough. Our religious affiliation doesn't make us right with God. 
You can wear the banner of the assemblies of God. The assemblies of God has no power to make you right with God. You can wear the banner of Methodists. The Methodists have no power to make you right with God. You can, you can wear across your chest Roman Catholicism, but Roman Catholicism has no power to make you right with God. There is only one who can make you right with God, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ, the very Son of God, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes upon him shall not perish but have everlasting life. In fact, Jesus said when Thomas said, we don't know where you're going and how do we get there? Jesus said, I am the way. He didn't say the assemblies of God was the way. He didn't say the Roman Catholic Church was the way. He didn't say the the Presbyterian Church was the way. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Amen? When we, by faith, receive Christ's righteousness, then and only then are we made right with God. It's at that very moment when the Comforter comes to live in us 24-7. Isn't that amazing? Having God as your father and being a part of his family, the family of God is the most amazing relationship you'll ever have. How many have that relationship? Is it the most amazing? Hey, church, is it the most amazing? Is it? Before I wrap up today's message, I don't want us to miss the wonderful promise of Jesus' uh, Jesus's return to earth in Acts 1.11. The same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. This wonderful promise reassures the disciples of Jesus' promise in John chapter 14, our main scripture text chapter. Look at verse 3 where he promised, and I will go and prepare a place for you. He says, don't let your hearts be troubled. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. Right before he, he, he returns to his father, he reminds the disciples of this wonderful promise. Through these two angelic beings. I will come again and receive you to myself. There, where I am, there you may be also. Isn't that a wonderful promise? This isn't goodbye. This isn't a final goodbye. His return to the Father wasn't a final goodbye. I'm gonna see you again. I'll see you later. I'm preparing a place for you. I'm going to come back for you. And you'll be with me forever. Jesus has prepared a place for you and for me in his Father's house in heaven. And one day he will come back to earth. It's referred to as the second coming of Christ. The first time Jesus came, he came as Savior to save you and me from sin's power and control. He emptied himself of of his divine glory and took on human flesh. He took our punishment. We deserve because all have sinned according to Romans chapter 3 verse 23. And, And he died in our place. So we can live with the Father someday in heaven. The second time Jesus comes, he will come as judge. This time, he will come clothed in his divine glory. The first time, he emptied himself of his divine glory and wrapped himself in human flesh. 
But this time, the second time, when he comes, he's gonna come clothed in the righteousness, in, 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 in his divine glory, amen? He will judge your life, and those clothed in the righteousness of Christ will enter the Father's house. Jesus came the first time to offer you and me his righteousness. But those who have rejected Christ's righteousness, the Bible tells us, will by no means enter the Father's house. Jesus said in John 16, 8, and when he, the Holy Spirit, has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. The Greek word translated sin is an archery term. It means to miss the mark by miles. Not just inches, but miles. The Holy Spirit reveals all have sinned, not to condemn us, but to save us. Jesus said in John three seventeen, for this for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. The Holy Spirit reveals to us how our self-righteousness misses the bullseye of God's righteousness by tens of thousands of miles. In fact, millions of miles, billions of miles, zillions of miles. My righteousness doesn't come close to hitting the mark. No kind and generous deed comes close. No religious exercise comes close. The Holy Spirit reveals to us how Christ has died for us so we can be clothed in his perfect righteousness. The Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. He's a good, good father. He's a gracious father, a merciful father a loving and forgiving father, and he, he just longs to, to have a relationship with you and for you to know him, to walk with him. The Holy Spirit, who Jesus refers to as the spirit of truth, judges our lives according to God's truth. Jesus prays in John 17, 17, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. The Holy Spirit illuminates God's truth as the psalmist declared, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So the spirit of truth is to every one of us here today. He convicts us and judges us according to God's truth. The Holy Spirit reveals to us when we get off God's path of righteousness and and we we take pride in our own self-righteousness. He warns us of danger, lets us know when we are heading toward a cliff, a spiritual cliff. The comforter has come. The comforter has come. I close with those words. The comforter has come. He wants to enter your life. He wants to stand beside you. He wants to take you by the hand. He wants to be your helper. He wants to be your comforter. He is waiting on you to to receive by faith the love and grace of God, the forgiveness of sin that Christ offers you through his death and resurrection. The comforter is waiting for you to be clothed by the righteousness of Christ. Romans chapter 10 verses 9 and 10 say, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. You don't have to 
expect the comforter to come. You don't have to beg. For the comforter to come. I got good news. The Father has sent him. He is here. Right now. The comforter. He's here. He's here. He's here. He's come. He wants to enter your life. He wants to stand beside you. He wants to be your helper. You can receive him by placing your faith and trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ as your Savior who died for you and rose again in the same Spirit that raised Christ, the Holy Spirit, wants to live in you and raise you up as a son and daughter, a child. standing and as you stand could we just for a moment just bow our heads and I don't know where everyone stands in their faith and their faith experience and background God has come in Christ the first time not to make us religious not to offer us religion but to open a way for the most amazing relationship one will ever have or experience a relationship with the living God when Jesus came he brought God to us now the comfort of the Holy Spirit who has come he brings God to us do you want the comfort to come by faith and live inside of you if you do I invite you to put your faith and trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross if you're here today and you want to just open your heart up by faith and receive the grace, the love the salvation that God offers through his son Jesus Christ by faith Would you raise your hands here today? Is there anyone here today with heads bowed? Anyone here today that would say, yes, pastor, I want to receive. I want to receive Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. I want the comforter to come and live in my heart. I invite you today by faith to call on the name of the Lord. Maybe you're here today find yourself in the midst of a storm no the comforter is with you and maybe you're here today and you desire for someone to pray for you with you I'm going to ask if our prayer team would come and just spread across the front of the altar we want to take a moment before we dismiss and enjoy some good barbecue downstairs and boy there's going to be lots of fun Before we transition, 
Let's take a moment to respond to the word of the Lord. He's speaking. Saints, church, be praying. I know the Holy Spirit is speaking. He, he, he's ministering. Maybe you're here today and you want, you want to receive Jesus Christ. Come to see one of um, these wonderful folks here at the front of the church. They'd love to pray with you. They'd love to encourage you. We have Bibles for you. Maybe you find yourself in the midst of a storm. The Comforter is with you. He wants to minister to you through these folks here on the prayer team. As Brother Joe sings this song, leads us in this song, join him in singing. Feel free and come. Come.